Welcome to Fable and the Verbivore. I'm Fable, Beth Stedman. And I'm the Verbivore, Laura Johnson. And this is a podcast for writers who read, readers who write, and, and everyone, everyone who, who loves, loves words. Okay, so today we are talking about language a little bit and kind of how to describe things that are, are difficult to describe, particularly things, uh, bodily sensations. Um, yes. We started having this conversation recently outside of the podcast, just talking about health stuff. Lori's been dealing with a lot of health stuff this year and kind of how difficult it can be to communicate to a doctor what it is you're feeling. And yes. as part of that conversation, we kind of, it expands into our writing. Like, how do you describe what a character's feeling and those sensations that they're having in their body in, in a way that a reader can understand? And just communicating like that when there isn't clear language for something is can be really hard. Um, so we thought it would be interesting to just spend a little time on the podcast talking about that as we we started talking about it. And then we're like, wait, <laughs> we yes. should do this on the podcast. <laughs> I love when that happens, when it's something that obviously both is both on both of our minds and yeah. means a lot to both of us. And even means a lot um, from that personal perspective, not just from that writing perspective, but almost that vitality of, I know for me, after going through a health crisis, I think I didn't appreciate how important it was to be able to communicate those things clearly in a way that the person on the other side would be able to get it and understand and where it wouldn't just fall into this wishy-washy language or vague description where they they actually could see what I mean yeah and I know that we do you mind if we talk a little bit about neuropathy and yeah so so, (laughs) we both suffer from different sides of neuropathy but and in different ways but for for me one of the things with it that's been really hard is it a lot of the time they they fall into like this numbness and tingling. And when they say numbness and tingling, they're like, oh, it's just numbness and tingling. And you're like, well, my feet feel like they're on fire. And I can't sleep at night. (laughs) I want to (laughs) cry. Yes, that's so true. Well, and especially when like numbness and tingling don't quite, like it's the closest you can get, but it doesn't quite (laughs) uh, quantify what it is you're feeling. And it's interesting, like sometimes we don't have the right language for something. So we use the closest we can um, and it doesn't work because (laughs) the person on the other side has assumptions and, and we do, we have assumptions about language. We have assumptions about what something means. And so when you say numbness and tingling, there's certain assumptions that doctors jump to. There's certain things that they then conclusions that they then make and if you change that language, you know, so like I started with numbness and tingling language because I was like, it's something like this, but it's not really. Um, And then tried to change that language to pain. And the second I changed to pain, then um, in my feet or hands, like then doctors make other assumptions. Like then they make assumptions about things like arthritis and stuff like that. And no matter how much I try to describe, like it's not in my joints, it's it's a um, it does, it, it doesn't come across. And, and I think sometimes that happens when we're writing too. Like we, we say something in our writing and not realizing that the reader is going to jump to a conclusion based on those yeah. words. They have a, like a filter that they're going to filter those words through. 
and then make assumptions about them. And I think it's really, it can be really helpful to experiment. Um, like yes, just the same as you have to do with doctors sometimes and kind of try saying it one way and then trying saying it another way and Absolutely. try saying it a third way. <laughs> like, um, and I think the same is true in writing. Like you have to kind of yes. experiment and you have to ask your beta readers, like, how does this come across? And do, does this, what does this communicate to you? Um, cause it might not be the same thing that you're trying to communicate as author. Yes. And I love, I love that you said that because I physically have had to change with each doctor. I saw mm -hmm. how I said yep. things like, it, again, as you said, starting out with that numbness and tingling and then realizing that they kept making like these wrong guesses and then yeah. going to my feet feel like they're frozen or like yes. they are yep. dried leaves that are being <laughs> yes. crushed together when I move my toes, or it feels like an electrical current is being yeah. like, I'm being electrocuted, yeah. <laughs> like the nerves are being electrocuted. And finding those ways to get to that tactile language, that language that all of a sudden I'm able to really say to myself, oh, yes, that's a little more specific. That's a little yeah. more detailed of what I'm saying. Yeah. And, and I don't know about you, but breaking out of that kind of knee-jerk language mm -hmm. has taken some time and even yeah. just reminding myself, don't just say that you're in pain, make sure yeah. that they know what the pain feels like. Is it yes. stabbing? Is it throbbing? Is yes. it like lightning shooting in? <laughs> like <laughs> You try to find a way that then really describes, gets mm -hmm. into the descriptive, the, the, this is the feeling as best I can describe it through metaphor or <laughs> through yeah. very active verbs. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I love that. Yeah. I think so, so often when we don't have a language for something, we have to rely on things like metaphor or simile, like it yes. feels like lightning, it feels like fire, yes. whatever, whatever it is. And um, those can be much more useful than generic terms like pain or, um, yes things like that. And yet they still fall short and we still have to be careful, you know, what, what metaphors and similes we use, because, yes. um, again, people have those filters or you might end up communicating something that you don't want to communicate. And so yes. the, the more specific you can get, I think with those metaphors and similes, the better. Yes. And, um, and those, like, I love that you mentioned like th throbbing or stabbing or like, those are so much, they're much more active verbs than, just yes. it hurts, you know. Yes, um, I am in pain. Yeah, and they do more in in our brains. Like when we hear yes. throbbing or stabbing or read that, we have that sensation. Whereas yes. that doesn't happen as much when we hear the word th hurt or pain or you know, like the more yes. obscure or um, vague we are, the less your readers are going to actually experience or feel the sensation that that you want them to feel. Yes. And that's actually part of like passive language, like yeah. passive verbs, like those state of being verbs, like I was, or I am, or mm -hmm. I am in pain. I, I was in pain. I, those all kind of distance us from it. We, yeah. we don't have that kind of empathetic echo of pain yeah, psychologically. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and that visceral feeling is really the thing that you want to be shooting for. It, and it doesn't have I mean, definitely going back into the senses and really connecting with what that feels like in our body, smells like, you yeah. know, even tastes like and, and things like that, going into how 
that is going out of our head into our body. But when we can also kind of really get down into that, the, the, the details of that. So we're not speaking in that passive way that creates that added distance. And similarly, even though they are better than speaking in passive voice or speaking, um, speaking more generally because uh-huh. the more specific we get we definitely psychologically connect with deeper but similes can have that distance too because it's yeah. like this or sure. as this rather than um i was reading actually or listening to a ted ed example about descriptive writing and mm. they have a book that wrote with like part of their quoting and part of it was like Billy's legs are noodles. The ends of her hair are poison needles. And mm-hmm. it kind of takes that out of simile into just a metaphor that mm-hmm. really, even though you know it's not literal, sure. you kind of feel it like in a different way than if you yeah. said are like noodles. Like it kind of that gives a little more distance. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I find myself using simile much more than metaphor. And I, I like yeah. that you pointed that out and how much more um how much more connecting or visceral it is to just, just say it is this thing. <laughs> I always like the logical side of my brain kicks in yeah. and I'm like, but it's not. <laughs> but it's not like factually. <laughs> Legs cannot be noodles. <laughs> that like black and white thinking. <laughs> I totally, I totally do that too. And I, even as I was like prepping for this, I, everything I was saying about myself was all simile. <laughs> yeah. so, but that's I think you know I think it's some that we we do have to like lean into our natural predisposition because if we can't if we can't communicate in a way that connects if we're trying to so much to do that metaphor and we we can't especially if we're talking in those situations just go for the simile and and be done with it but it's a good reminder to sometimes Go back and check, you know, like, okay, yes. I used a simile here. Can I change it to a metaphor? And what does yes. that feel like? And how does that change um, how the receiving person might might perceive that? Yes. Does it have any of that kind of distance shortening and, and more mm-hmm. tactile and visceral feelingness? Yeah. And maybe it's something I know we're talking about trying to communicate something strong Mm -hmm. but if you're in a situation in which you really don't want it to be overly strong you can actually use it to create distance if you need to (laughs) if you're like oh it's a little too hard let's maybe pull it back then you could could make it into a simile and get that that distance or even make it a little more vague to get Mm. that distance as well Mm. because it does work both ways yeah yeah, I think generally speaking, though, moving towards more specificity yeah. and more visceral language is going to strengthen your writing. But yeah, yes. I can see examples of times when you might want a little of that distance. Yes. I think this is one of those things, too, that I mean, we've been talking about it kind of in the context of pain and, and that sort of thing. But it's also so yes. important in the context. I mean, we just did a, a whole series of episodes on romance a few weeks ago, months ago. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And it's surprising to me, like there is such a big difference between the romance books that I read that do this well and really get into physical sensation and the ones that I read that don't. Um, Yes. It just connects you with the characters so much more. And it's hard. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. I I mostly write romance and 
like you kind of fall into the same similes over and over again. Right. <laughs> or the right? same, like it tingles, you know, like <laughs> yes. it doesn't do as much. Like, like, yes, that hand touch might feel a little tingly, but how can you describe that in a way that's even more powerful or strong or visceral? I mean, it's the same kind of thing yes. as like numb or. It's those words that have, and they're, they're not bad words. It's just that they've mm-hmm. been overused over and over and over mm-hmm. again to the point that exactly. the, the meaning is muddy and it doesn't yeah. have the same strength anymore. And I think recognizing where, you know, there's there's words that are vague, sure. but there's words that are specific and just don't have the same meaning that they yeah. used to because yeah. you see them in so many other books. And sometimes even just training your mind to come up with different words, yeah. even reading through different word lists, I find yeah. does that for me. It kind of refreshes the bank of words that I'm pulling. I haven't from. talked about word hippo, hippo in a while, but Yay! you know how much I love it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the best thesaurus ever. Oh it's my just, goodness! So much. It gives such a variety of options and words and meanings to different things. Yes. And it allows you to go into the nuance within yourself to really ask what, what am I trying to say? And does this word mean more of what I'm trying to say? I love how they go into little categorizes. Yes, exactly. I love categories of like the nuance of the meaning. Yes. And the story can have this definition or this definition can be used as a noun or a verb or whatever. And depending on which one you might use these different, different similes or not similes, (laughs) these different, um, What's the word? Synonyms. Yeah. Yes. Synonyms. Synonyms. Yeah. And and that's the that's the glorious thing about it. And I do use just normal dictionary as well mm-hmm. sometimes, um, just through yeah. Google. Um, but when you really have a word that you know is eluding you, that mm-hmm. you're like, oh, this isn't exactly right, but I know the right words out there. It has been the most efficient way for me to find those words because I usually, mm-hmm. after two or three drills, can get it. Um, yeah, get the even just grab onto the meaning because sometimes yeah. I'm like, I know it's not this, but I'm, right. I'm not really sure what I'm even trying to say. And it helps you kind of dig into the meat of that. Yeah, I agree. You know, I love yeah. it. <laughs> Word Hippo, please. It's our advertisement, yeah. our, our yearly advertisement for Word Hippo. <laughs> but it's absolutely a great way of, of doing that. And, and I do think that there's, you know, there's also strong like adjectives, there's Mm -hmm. strong verbs, you can find them on Pinterest, you can Google them, people put them up all the time. And just reading through them. I also do Mad Libs with my kids. And we try to get as weird and like, we try to go across. Yeah, like weird, specific. Um, we try to kind of get our brain thinking widely at those times um, (laughs) to varying degrees of success. But my goal for myself is to never use the same word if I can um, Mm. again. (laughs) So I'm always trying to find different words. And I think it's, it's like those, I don't know if you've ever I think it's in the book, The Art of Noticing. Mm-hmm. It's um, they talk about every night, like do just thinking of five completely unconnected and random words, mm-hmm. like just doing that as an exercise in kind of creativity and expanding yeah. your thoughts um, and just bringing in different things. It, it, they have a lot of different suggestions for kind of bringing in randomness and bringing in. That's interesting. Breaking, out of falling into those patterns of yeah. same things over and over and over again because yeah. we 
we do have to actively do it. It's easy to come up with those words that are kind of used a lot. Yeah. Um, harder to think outside the box or re, you know, re-explain something that had might have been really well explained over here. Right. But to write in a different way. Because we can hmm. we can do that. It's just it takes time and effort. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a really interesting practice. Something I've been doing lately also is just as I'm reading other books, if there's a certain way something's described or a certain word that's used that I'm like, oh, that really, yeah, I really like that. Or that captures something that I feel or that um, I've wanted to communicate but can't, I will mm-hmm. copy it out and put it just, I have just like a running list. <laughs> I love and it's it. sort of silly, but it kind of yeah. like just even just the act of copying out, even if I don't reread it, kind of helps me to yeah. think about things in a different way or describing something in a different way or a word that I might not have normally used. Yes. Well, and I think even just seeing examples of how yes. other people describe things, you know, if it's a metaphor, if it's yeah. in if it's just language that we don't hear often, but it kind yeah. of tingles our spike senses for lack of a better word <laughs> yeah <laughs> a phrase um something that just connects with us that we stop and say oh like wow yeah. um I love doing that and just seeing what it is like we're connecting with and and yeah. what it is that we're finding unique about it because I do think it's the things like that that aren't written in the same way that we're used to yeah. that I think we appreciate about books I mean yeah. If it's too far out there, sometimes we're like, ah, um, it, it can get to the point that it's just too much. Mm-hmm. But I think when it's when it's well written, but has those things, yeah. I think we really lean into those because yeah. it's just something different that we're not used to. It, it tells something that we've heard before, maybe many times, but in a way that we've not heard before. Yeah. Well, one of the things I love about reading or or one of my favorite experiences when reading is when somebody can explain something that I feel but haven't been able to put words to. And it's the same Mm -hmm. sort of thing as like struggling to communicate to a doctor. And then when you come up across someone, someone who understands that feeling and can put it to words, it's just like this light bulb moment. (laughs) It's so, um, it's so wonderful that kind of like me too, um, feeling as you read something. And I, I think that's one of the power powerful things about reading is you get to you get to experience a a lot of what other people feel that you don't um, maybe feel and get to understand that and and learn empathy for it but you also can find language for the things that you feel that you don't have language for before Mm, yes absolutely and and as you said that's a powerful feeling I think I think when we can reach that as a reader or a listener that's a powerful feeling. And when we can communicate that as a writer or someone who's trying to get someone to understand, that's powerful as well. Yeah, for sure. Well, we hope that you keep experimenting with your language and your words and trying new things and leaning into specificity um, as much as possible, leaning into those metaphors and those things that are going to help you communicate more clearly with your readers. So keep reading and keep writing and keep putting your work out into the world. Thanks for joining us.